Morena Fana. Um, you know, I find it interesting whenever I have to preach on a subject, God always gives me an object lesson. And um, I have to preach on joy this morning, and I'm honestly not feeling very joyous at the moment. You know, um, you know it's just like, uh, I don't know, maybe some of you have had this experience when, when you fight with your partner before coming to church and you still have to put a smile on and tell everyone you're okay, right? Hey, I'm fine. <laughs> yeah. And so God just has this thing for me to just, every time I'm going to preach on something in particular, something's going to come up to either teach me a lesson <laughs> or help me understand or put me in my place. Um, generally, it's that last one, right? Joy. Um, I did this thing this week. Um, uh, I thought I'd go right. About two weeks ago, I was at Buzz and I was talking to Michael, the owner of Buzz, and he looked at me and goes, oh, it's going to be really difficult for you guys at church now, isn't it? And I thought, well, why? What, what are you talking about? He goes, well, you know, you Christians are against the vaccine, so I'm imagining not many of you are coming to church. You're going to have to break it up. And I was looking at him going, what makes you think we're all against it? And he goes, well, I thought, you know, you guys, were, that's where you're at. And I was like, no, no, actually, we're quite the opposite. And he goes, I said, most of us are vaccinated in our church and, and we're going to figure out a way to help those who aren't, but, but we're going to have the majority of people. That he goes, oh, wow, you guys are progressive. <laughs> and it kind of got this thing going in my head. I'm like, what, what, what are the people's perception of Christianity? I think we've got a perception of ourselves and we might talk to each other about it, but ultimately... That's not us, right? It's those Christians, not, not us Christians, but actually we're all in the same boat, right? Okay, we're all, we're all the same. So I thought I'd go around and because, you know, I've got a few relationships up and down High Street, I thought I'd ask him this question. Give me one word to describe Christians. <laughs> I can just imagine, I can see you all going, oh. <laughs> uh, these are some of the words that, <laughs> that came together. And... Um, some of them I'm cool with, like I don't mind being weird, right? We are weird and we own that. Um, I can understand the delusional part, you know, especially if they don't believe in a God, they think of us as delusional, I'm, I'm okay with that too. Um, entitled, fake, hypocrites, negative, unhappy, judgy, angry, that was one I got a few times. And I thought, oh my goodness, and I've got all these words and I put them all up there, but there was one word I never heard. That's not a word apparently associated with Christians. And frankly, you know, we do this every year at Advent. Every year we've got to get more creative about preaching on these four words, right? Love, hope, peace, joy. None of those four words appeared in anyone's vocabulary when they were describing a Christian. And I thought, what? Now, I've got to admit, I'm not always the joyous person on the planet and, and look let's be honest joyful people are annoying at times aren't they <laughs> right what reason do they have to be joyful and I'm not right they should be as grumpy as I am right it's fascinating because I think as Christians we really take hold of Isaiah's prophecy about Jesus in 50, chapter 53 he says he was despised and rejected by mankind a man of suffering and familiar with pain so we get really excited when we are despised and rejected 
Because this is talking about us, right? Right? No, it's not. Right? This is Jesus, not us. He is the man of suffering. He is familiar with pain. And guess what he has done? Because it says it in the next verse. He then takes our, our pain, takes our suffering, so that he bears it, so that we can be. So we stop at verse 3, right? And full stop, that's us. Forget about verse 4. And who's grown up in church with those grumpy people in church? Everything is so stoic and straight. I don't know, maybe it's an Anglo way, but we Italians aren't any better, to be honest. Latinos can be quite, uh, yeah, scary. But there's this thing about church that's not choice. We are more about we're the despised and rejected. We bear all suffering and pain because they're taking things away from us. Well, yeah, they did. It's Jesus. He took away our pain and our suffering. And it starts with the very first story about Jesus, right? What do the angels say? Don't be afraid. I am bringing good news that will cause great joy. The story of Jesus begins with joy. And it doesn't just stop there. It's not just at Christmas that we should experience joy. In fact, going on, the whole people around him thought he was a bit strange because if he's the Messiah, he's got to come and tell us what's wrong and he's got to stand upright. But no, he's hanging out with sinners. He's having fun. How dare he? Have we as Christians acted that way sometimes? When we see other people maybe just having a little bit too much to eat and drink and hanging out with some people they shouldn't be hanging out with. How do we react to that? Just like the Pharisees, we're lacking joy. And he goes on, he goes on. <laughs> he teaches us, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again and then in his joy went out and sold all he had and bought that field because he had so much joy. Where is our joy going on? He sends out the 72 and they get really excited because they experience a little bit of this joy. And they come back to him and they say, hey, Lord, even the demons submit us to us in your name, they said with joy. And Jesus says, oh, that's really cool because all this will happen, but that's not what you've got to be joyous about. You know what you've got to be joyous about? Rejoice about the Spirit submitting to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Right? Amen. Amen. <laughs> Amen. I growled at poor Lisa this morning. And then I kind of sat here thinking, why am I getting all riled up about something so silly? And then I think, oh, how many times have I done that to my wife, my kids? I haven't done it to you, Andy, have I yet? Oh, he's keeping quiet. Good. Thank you. <laughs> Never. And we forget. We get so caught up in, in the bushes that God's just telling us, yeah, this is all going on, but look up. We have this joy. It doesn't just stop there. He goes on. This is from uh, David Mathis. And he was writing a commentary just on that passage about, you know, the 72 going out. And he says this, he says, Rejoice not in ministry fruit that is yours, but in your Father who has made you his. The joy that fed and sustained Jesus himself was not the sermons he gave, all the sick he healed, or even the dead he raised, but the relationship he had with his Father. The bottom of his joy was not what he did in the world, but whose he was. 
Does, is that enough to just give you joy? Is it enough to know Jesus and that is it? To know that your name is written in heaven. Is that not joy enough? Shouldn't that, that alone just put a smile on our faces? I'm, I'm going to give you a lot of verses today because I, I want to tell you this. There's one verse that talks about the mark of the beast and there's about a thousand that talk about joy. And what do we Christians talk about? It's true, right? Am I, am I, am I saying something new here? How is it that we hone in the one verse Revelation chapter 13, they don't even read the next verse after that because they don't know what's after that. They hear Mark of the Beast, they stop. Just kind of like before with, with Isaiah. They don't read the next verse. And they forget that you've got a thousand verses talking about be joyful. Hebrews 12, 1 to 2, let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. He was so joyful that that gave him the energy, the power, the, the will to face the cross. That's how much joy was in Jesus. So much joy that he endured the cross. <laughs> Go figure that one. Huh? Joy. Yeah, it's annoying when you see joyful people, but I think that's actually something in us that we wish that we had that joy too. Right? They're annoying because, actually, I think deep down we're envious. We're weighed down by everything that's around us. And maybe we've just kind of, down the bottom there, we've just kind of covered up what really is the fount of our joy, Jesus. And when Christmas comes, we're reminded by these four words but we're not just reminded at Christmas, we should be reminded all the time. In John 15, uh, verses 9 to 11, as the Father has loved me, so I have I've loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. And then he goes on to say straight off from that, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Understanding love. is with the fount of joy. I've told you this. I've told you to keep those two precious commandments, right? Love the God, your God with all your heart, mind, soul, love your neighbor as yourself. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Even when he was praying to his father, the, the, the moment before he was about to be flogged and then, and then, and, and then, put on that cross he's praying to God and he says this I'm coming to you now father but I say these things while I'm still in the world so that they us may have the full measure of his joy within us facing what was a very difficult point his concern is our joy Peter says this which is amazing though you may have not seen him you love him and even though you do not see him now you believe him in him and are filled with an expressible and glorious joy for you are receiving the end result of your faith the salvation of your souls 
I've got to be honest with you, when my dad died, Christmas was never the same again. Because for us, it's Christmas. It was a big family affair. We all got around. It's Sydney, it's hot. The fans are on because there was no air conditioning in the house. Big table, and because you know, Dad had the Catholic tradition, there was no meat on the table, but there was lobster and crab and caviar and fish and calamari, an octopus. Yeah, most of you are like, what? That was our Christmas. First time I had a roast was when I met Monica. That was all on the table. And for us kids, it was KFC. <laughs> because our parents realized that we really didn't understand the value of calamari and octopus, right? They'd <laughs> be like, it's awful. I love this stuff. But anyway, that was our Christmas. And then dad would get in front of the tree and everyone would bring presents and there'll be all this time. And we'd have a blast. We'd be up until midnight and running around as kids full of joy with expectation. And then when dad died, that stopped. And ever since then, Christmas for me is just not fun. Even with our own kids, I love being with my kids, but we've always had very small Christmases because I worked most of the time. And I couldn't stand the fact that Monica loved Christmas and the whole house turns into Christmas. And by the middle of March, I'm hoping that she'll move it all away. Oh, I'm going to get a growl later on, huh? <laughs> oh, that's okay, because then I met her stepfather, and he was worse. It was like Christmas, like literally everywhere. It was amazing what he put. And, and to me, it was just like, and then I realized as I'm writing this sermon, I'm lacking joy. I see Monica get really excited about pulling out all the Christmas stuff. All I see is mess and little green things from the tree everywhere. They'll, right? <laughs> But she's all excited. The kids are getting excited. Why am I not getting excited? Where's the joy? And actually, why am I waiting till now to be questioning where my joy is? Why am I not questioning that in July? Or in March? Or in October? For I am a follower of Jesus Christ. My name is written in the book of life. I know that even though I will never experience another Christmas with my father that I have joy that there is a God and that there is more to life than just finality and death. That even when I think of the things that we miss at Christmas, I think of what we've gained through Jesus Christ. There's got to be joy in that. There's got to be joy. There's got to be joy for Wendy Serpa today too. Isn't it your birthday today, Wendy? She's giving me the look, like, who told you? <laughs> Don't look left or right. It was neither of them. <laughs> there is joy. There's got to be joy. Joy that God so loved the world that death is not the end. That there is love. That there is hope. That there is something, regardless what this world throws at us, there is something to be joyful of. So what is one word to describe Christians? Can we change this? Can I challenge you to change this? We can't change the world, but, but we can change our neighborhood. And we can't change all Christians, but we can change ourselves. So how about we just add a bit more joy to our lives? How about we share that joy with those around us? Let us be those annoying people 
but let's also share the love and hope and peace that we have in Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Look at this world record time. I'm finished. I've got nothing more to say than that. That 10 minute, uh, that, hey, what joy, listen to this guy. <laughs> Good, great example, well done. Well done, I'm going to ask the music team to come up. It's a challenge for us at Christmas, right? You're going to hear the same sermons over and over, but I'm going to challenge you each time. Each time to remember that this needs to live within us. It, it, it's got to, I mean, that, that, that salvation, greater than anything. We have joy in the Lord, even when everything seems to be falling apart around us. Let us pray. Father God, thank you for your son. Thank you for Jesus. As they all say, there's a reason for the season. It's Jesus. There's a reason for our lives. It's not just the season. It's everything. And deep within us, deep below us, deep down, uh, most probably with all the junk that's covering up, deep down there is Jesus that lives within us. May we embrace the joy that we have in him rather than allow the world to beat us down constantly. Remind us of the joy, Lord, that we have in you. A hallelujah. What a Savior.